Welcome to Marsha's Plate, a black trans-inclusive feminist podcast. A place where we know that not everybody is invited to the cookout. And we also know that every single day is a brand new day, and we have the power to make a difference today. So let's do this. Brand new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to turn it all around again. It's a new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to start over again. When the sun rises, you can start over again. social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Just search for Marsha's Plate, M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Y'all ready? Let's get started. Hey, what's up, y'all? Peace, peace, peace. What's good? Mm, so, it's another mass shooting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. a lovely day in yeah. America, mm-hmm. where every mm-hmm. other day it's a shooting. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. mass shooting was in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not surprising. Isn't it the home of Mitch McConnell? Right there next to Tennessee where the last big mass shooting was at. Right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I don't want to continue talking about that. <laughs> Rest in peace, right? Hope, hope Rest in peace good. to the people who were um, yeah. harmed. Condolences to the family. Uh, I hope y'all are not voting <laughs> with the Republicans. Yeah, because you know they don't care about you. Welcome to our world. They do not give a fuck. Like you might, they will sacrifice all your kids. <laughs> okay. Clearly, like, they do not care, and they do not care. All Shit. the other countries. Who have banned assault weapon weapons? Their mass shootings have went down, mm-hmm. or wasn't existing because it was already in place. The the bans were already in place, so it's clear yeah. by the statistics of other countries and here because and, you know we came up in the era for the most part where they had the assault rifle ban. Facts. So you know when they lifted that. You know, we didn't grow up in an era where there are constantly school shootings because there was an assault rifle ban. You know, yes, we have the right to bear arms. And as a black trans woman, and that is, you know, to me, I appreciate that. On a certain level, I appreciate it. I appreciate being right. able to own a firearm safely. Um, safely. A, a regular, yeah. <laughs> a regular right. firearm. I do not need a firearm that can shoot through <laughs> metal and vest. Right. And I don't need that right. kind of power. What I need is something right. that if somebody comes into my home or somebody tries to attack me, I have enough to get you off my ass. Right. I do not 
need something military that can, a military style weapon. Right. I don't feel like I need that. I don't care, but I do appreciate having something in my home where if I was being assaulted or if I was being um somebody was breaking in, I could protect myself. So mm-hmm. I do appreciate that right, but I don't need it to yeah. the extent. I don't need tanks. I don't need grenades. Right. I don't need right. I don't need right. the kind of guns that are that kind of level. So um yeah. That's real. It was Easter uh this past weekend. Um the church I will I go to, they did a thing called Queering the Cross. It was real cute. Good Friday. Um, I've never been to a Good Friday service. I thought I had been to a Good Friday service. I play the drums for the church I go to. So it was just like, we were there for a minute. Seven last words. I never really, I, I like grew up in church, but I didn't grow up in church, like churching, churching the whole time. I was there for like choir rehearsal and events and like activities. I wasn't there for because <laughs> I was at church, church the whole time. Oh, you a so, drummer. Drummers of the church are always freaks. <laughs> oh. How did you know? Somebody else said that to me. Somebody else <laughs> literally, like literally um, the, yesterday, yesterday on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, someone said to me, oh, you a dr- church drummer. Ah. I, was like, I was like, what does that even mean? You know what I'm saying? I didn't know shit. They were like, yeah, dude. Yeah, girl, you freak. I was like, why well, yeah, did you drum work to have that? Those happen, the but... tray that you have Saturday night after the choir <laughs> rehearsal is over. <laughs> I, I look kind of trading. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, Easter has some always expectations. Been... Yeah. <laughs> Easter for me. Uh huh has always been. Well, I'm talking about as an adult now. You know, I grew up in church, church, so churching. Um, okay. Okay. In my youth, but I left, and as I got older, sometimes, uh-huh. sometimes, for some reason, maybe like every three years, uh-huh. I get the urge to, to dress to up and go to church on Easter uh-huh. because mm-hmm. I like all like of that fashion carrying on. Yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah. I did do that this year. I did Cute. get dressed up because I haven't been to a church on Easter in probably mm. four years. It's usually like three or four. So mm. um, I did get dressed up and go to church that Sunday morning. I usually go to St. John, which is Beyonce's church. Um, okay, come on, I go to church with Beyonce. <laughs> when she was young and in lived in Houston. This I don't mm. I don't think it's her church now. I don't know. I don't think so. Um but, but it's her home church. Okay. It's her home church. She has donated, it looks so fancy because she has given some coins to it and it looks sickening. So I love going to it because it's downtown Houston. A lot of people go to it. It's a black church. Mm. It's um also they do really, really good stuff. They're not just a church, it's kind of just being a church. They kind of do mm-hmm. you know, Something you literally good. see them um feeding people on certain days of the week. You you literally see them doing stuff, which is why I kind of like it a little bit because I see them trying to help community. It's some churches that just they're just there and I don't see right. them really doing nothing. what kind of what kind of church is it? AME? Was it what is it CME or something I, I like that? I don't even know. I know it's black. I don't know what kind of church. Because you say it's Saint something, so I'll just. Uh, it's Saint John. Okay. Yeah, it's Saint John, um, downtown Houston. I don't know what. I don't know what denomination they are. They mm-hmm. do. Um, 
Yeah, it's a typical black church. There's nothing that stands out like it's different. They, you know, they shout, they do, um, you know, they sing, they they do typical stuff. It looks like a, it just looks like a really fancy um, church. It's just not, not Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes fancy. Not that. <laughs> it, oh, it looks, United, United Methodist. Okay. United Methodist. So, yeah, it's cute. They sing, they, it doesn't, nothing stands out as a particular um you know what well, the saint part was like i was like oh it might because usually at least where i'm from it's like a baptist church like saint usually would be like a methodist episcopal or a what is it ame well i guess ame is episcopal um okay come on st john's downtown yeah so i went down there for all okay yeah that's cute i like it i i, I enjoy it Everybody was looking cute. What did you wear to church yesterday? Speaking of this, uh, yeah, I wore Easter outfit. I wore this. Um, it's white and black, but it has like these little, these little on the print. It, it's white and black, but it has like blue, green, like um, blue, golden, green little brush strokes of color on it but it's all over but it's mainly black and white let me go get the dress so you can see one second okay hey so oh, okay the print i'm talking about it's black and white but it has like a um like you know just these kind of i don't know what it is but it's kind of like colors almost mm -hmm. a little tie-dye-ish yeah oh okay i see like watercolor almost. yeah like kind of watercolor yeah and so it's black and white but it has like blue yellow looking kind of flowerish and then these sleeves on it are sheer oh that's very easter isn't that cute come on sheer, sheer. Come on, sheer. yeah that, that'll give you did you wear patent leather shoes? i know you wouldn't wear patent leather shoes no not patent leather just thought, i just thought i asked <laughs> <laughs> um i wore some yellow heels that oh, were okay. that were um sheer they like yellow like mm, plasticky kind of it looks patent leather but it's 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 clear yellow plastic in their heels and it's like all right so here they go so you see how your toes can you can see your toes through it oh okay oh that's cute super cute i love it they have these little holes in it so your feet won't collect the water because usually shoes like this your feet if your feet get sweaty you can see like sweat in oh. it <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, but they have little oh, holes wow. in it so your feet can breathe. Okay. And so, yes, I love this. This shoe is my thing. So this yellow, you know, it has yellow in the dress, but it just stand out. Yeah. Everybody was, everybody was like, oh, this is fly. Um, oh, I had this cute little black hat. It's not um, oh, yeah. fancy, fancy, but it's just a kind of black. You've I've wore it before. It's like a black little little hat thing. It's cute. I love it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I felt so you had Easter, bon Easter bonnet. Yeah, <laughs> went in there and sat down and listened to them sing, and it was cute. I had a good time. They gave you a nice little Easter resurrection word. Come on, you know, listen to the music, and then I went home and got my feel. Nice. Did you uh, cook anything in particular? Did you get some food from somewhere? What you do? Did you eat some uh, some Easter food? Nope. I did go to um, Papado's after service. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's very after church. <laughs> that's very after church, yes. <laughs> and, you know, I ate some fried catfish and um, mm. um, loaded baked potato. 
and some broccolini. Come on, baked potato. <laughs> loved it, loved it, loved it. So y'all tell us what y'all did for Easter. Um, yes. Did you celebrate? I, you know, I just, you know, for me, I'm not a Christian, but it's something about the dress up and have fun and that kind of stuff. I do, I do reminisce on that vibe because, mm -hmm. you know, our, um, in African traditional religions, we don't gather as much as the church people do. <laughs> we do gather, mm. but not as much as mm. the church people do. And then my home, Ile, is not actually based in Houston. It's based back home in Indianapolis. My um, mm. my, Ia, my Ia lives there. So I gather when I go there and when we have certain things or when they come down here, but it's not um, much gathering. Mm. So yeah, there's that. So yeah. tell us how you celebrated um yeah easter if, if you, you got it yeah if you do celebrate easter or not easter, if you or, if you got if you got dressed up you know hit us up hashtag marshall plate and yo and yo fit if that's <laughs> something that you decided to do you know whether yeah. or not you, you celebrate the faith or not if you you know got your get up on you know hit us up <laughs> let us see what you look like hashtag marshall plate <laughs> Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck <laughs> so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not you can donate as low as a dollar a month it doesn't matter anything helps please do i have to play sarah mclaughlin and show you puppies like what do i have to do do i have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money <laughs> all righty anyway thank y'all and the patreon and paypal link is at the bottom back to the show monique has a new netflix special i don't know have you had a chance to watch it yet i have and i loved it yeah it it was it was really good for those of y'all who've not seen it you should go see it if you can it's really uh i thought it was really honest it was really uh it was really well done well written um anyway some of the things that she talked about um in the in her special she talked about a lot of things which um I like the, you know, what is she, what was it? She was like a real nigga moment. I'm from the, or some shit. She was like, what'd she say? I'm from uh, Real Nigga Boulevard. Yes. <laughs> I said, yep. <laughs> First of all, she looked amazing. She looked yeah. good. Yeah. She had this yeah. black kind of, not sequence, but it was kind of metallic y, shiny black dress that was rouged a little mm. bit. Her hair was fire. She got the, you know, she's rocking her yeah. um gray hair streak, the salt paper hair. So she just yeah. looked amazing. I think yeah. she looked dope. 
And it, it was called My Name is Monique. So it was, you know, really autobiographical. We learned a lot more about who she is, her story as a person. She talked about, well, I won't get too much into what she talked about. You should definitely watch it on Netflix. But a couple of things that stood out to me was one, um, her coming out-ish or not coming out or, well, well, letting us in as we do as Black people, because we don't necessarily come out. Usually that's Black folks kind of cultural thing. Um, but she let us in to the fact that she's queer, bisexual, not a heterosexual, <laughs> you know? And as she shared that story, she also um, discussed, she also talked about her grandmother who adored her, you know, and she was dealing with a lot of strife around her, but her grandmother was like her foundation. But she had this kind of juxtaposition of seeing her grandmother give her all this love but yet treat her Uncle Tina, her grandmother's daughter, like a piece of shit because she was gay and because she was masculine, okay? And so, you know, she said, I think at one point she said, yeah, we would be out and she'd be on her about how she was breathing. And I was just gonna say, can, can, can she motherfucking breathe? <laughs> you know, and on a personal note, I can relate to that. I think quite a few AFAB people, for a lot of folks in their journey around gender identity and expression, that kind of stuff, that kind of tension is sometimes how it manifests in our community, not for everybody, but for a lot of us, when you're dealing with homophobia or transphobia, it's like, I'm gonna still, I'm gonna still have you around as your mother or whoever, but I'm, I'm gonna get in your ass every two fucking seconds about how you hold yourself up, how you sit, how you do this, how you do that, how you do this, nag, 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 right? Um, but the juxtaposition was interesting of her. She talked about that, like, how could, this woman that loves me, I'm the apple of her eye, she'll do anything for me, she'll get up and cook some food, she'll do that, she'll do whatever. And then treat her own child like she doesn't exist and like she talked about only loving her privately and that kind of influenced how her decision around coming out. She would, you know, so, um, and getting that disappointment from her grandmother. Um, but anyway, it just was interesting to just a position and I wanted to ask you, do you, have you had any relationships like that in your life where it was like, you know, you got this person is like really good with you, but then you're like, how are you so awful to some people? Or have you know? I mean, I've had it where it's been, you know, or have it been the other way around where you're the person and you're like, I don't quite understand how the fuck you treat me this way. <laughs> everybody, you're so great with everybody else, but when it comes to me, it's like fucking weird. Um, you know, but yeah, have you had any relationships where you've had that juxtaposition, experienced that on any side of that or no other folk or observed that in your own, in your own life? Absolutely. I, a couple of times that I felt that, um, that juxtaposition, like I, I don't, I don't remember a time when I was the apple of somebody's eye and they treated somebody else shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember a time where I was the person getting treated shitty and they were treating other people great. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. because even, you know, because of colorism, because of, um, me being the firstborn, it is mm. a, it is a consensus, um, with my brothers that I'm my mother's favorite when she was living. Oh, okay. Um, okay. um you know, they, they, their nickname for me is the golden child 
<laughs> is that is that it's supposed to be literal and uh is that supposed to be a, a, a it, is, it is it's a reference to my color yeah it's a reference to <laughs> right. being it's right. a, me being live all it's, of it all right. of, it's, <laughs> but so you're the favorite and, you, and you're golden and you're golden okay. yes they give all yeah. of that and and yeah. okay. my okay. mother doesn't make any um my mother never tried to deny it <laughs> let's just say that. <laughs> let's just say that. But okay, my right. We gonna keep it one hundred. Right? We gonna keep it one hundred. But my brothers would also say that I'm their favorite too. Do you see what I'm oh, saying? But but you gotta understand. Ten, ten, ten. You gotta understand the dynamic Across of the our relationship. My mother was an addict and she fell short of motherhood a lot. And so I had mm. to step up in the place of that kind of figure. We don't have aunties. We don't have, we mm. had a, mm. yeah, my grandmother was cool to my youngest brother, um, but even she got on drugs. So I was the rock many for a long time yeah. even to this day. And so yeah. there is a sense of, why everybody likes me <laughs> you know what i'm saying why everybody yeah. sees me as uh has a particular love for me because i held motherfuckers down yeah, many you know, years. your family yeah in a love and and not just oh a motherfucker owe me but in a kind of in a loving way my brothers you know even the one that i was estranged with he was very one of the reasons he said that he apologized after so many years, he was like, I miss you being in my life because mm. he, you know, my, when my brothers see me, they turn into little children. Like yeah. they turn into their five, six year old selves laying on my lap. <laughs> um, these grown ass men, when they see me, they turn into babies because I'm a sweet, affectionate person to people that I love. So yeah. When we are around each other, I'm busting bumps on their face. I'm kissing them, rubbing their head. I'm I'm yeah. doing these little affectionate things to them that they don't get everywhere else. <laughs> and so they, when they come in my presence, it's funny when you see it. My mother saw it. My grandmother saw it. When and and there's a and my mother, while I think that there is a jealousy. Uh, jealousy mm. isn't the word. Um, sometimes she showed a little jealousy of it, but also she understood. She says, while I was out here doing all this crazy ass shit, this, is, this was their sister. This was their person who was taking care of them and being a mother to them. So I know yeah. why they love you and I love you. So it's not like right. you're some you're not right. like somebody outside some teacher yeah. or some mentor that's not connected to me. You are my oldest child and you have stepped up when I didn't have anything done, when yeah. I when I wasn't, wasn't doing the wrong thing. And so they have this relationship with me. So yeah. I never there was never not this moment that I felt like it was um in that in that relationship. I never felt like she wasn't treating them with love. Mm -hmm. It's just I could get away with more with my mother. Okay. 
My okay. mother never whooped. She she whooped, but not like it wasn't. It was very rare that we got a whooping. If we got a whooping, it, it was, was more like a spanking than a whooping. Kind no, of it was a whooping, but <laughs> it would be <laughs> it would be you like a um, fuck up real bad. It would be something deep. Yes, like when yeah. I um play hooky from school because I got some bad grades or I had gotten a fight and didn't tell her that I got suspended. Shit like okay. that, you gonna yeah, get your yeah. ass whooped. But yeah. my mother yeah. isn't just whooping some stern strict whooper. That's not really her. okay. I, I, okay. I probably can count on one hand the many times in my whole life my mother ever whooped me. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's and that same thing with my brothers. My brothers rarely get whoopings. They really have to be doing something really bad. Mm-hmm. So, but my grandmother, on the other hand, I, I've talked about this. Me and my mother, my grandmother is just a mean person. I don't think it's just me. I think it's just who she is. But mm. All me and my youngest brother has very different relationships between my grandmother. My grandmother shows a tenderness to my youngest brother that I don't see her show anybody. There is a tenderness. There is a care. There was a tenderness because she's passed away in 2014. But it's something about my little brother that he just was the the he was the apple of her eye, which is ironic. Because when we were growing up, because yeah. my grandmother didn't like his father, and he's the darkest of my siblings, mm-hmm. and my family—I I have a color-struck family—so yeah. my grandmother used to say little colorist bullshit about my brother. Oh wow! Okay, little you know she would call him little monkeys. Oh, <laughs> she will call him like it was some no, real, that real that old school. That oh, old yeah. school. Yeah. Um, she would say little things yeah. like um about mm-hmm. his father that was colorist. Like she would tell my mama, um, she would say little things that would be like, Yeah, you went and had a baby with that liver lip black motherfucker. Ooh, yeah. Talking about the father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she says stuff like that. Yeah. So growing up, you would think that my little brother would be like she would be negative to him. But right. However, it turned out because I was trans, because my middle brother went somewhere else and because he was a boy. My mother loved boy children. My grandmother loved boy children. And so he was a boy and my little brother. That's real shit right there, too. My brother is a. He's a caring and loving child. Like he is just, it's just something about his personality that is just a really sweet, funny, feel good child. He was just, okay. a, he, he, he was funny. He was caring. He was loving. It's just very hard for you to be around him as a little kid and not love him because his personality mm-hmm. was, even mm-hmm. as an adult, he's one of them people that their personality is just funny. He, when he walks in the room, he makes you laugh. He wants everybody to be having a good time. He just wanted them people. And he was like that as a kid. And so my grandmother, when she's being mean as a rattlesnake, as, as my grandfather wow. would say, when she, was yeah. be, when she would be being mean and she would be being drunk, mm-hmm. my, my, I would see my brother walk up to her and grab her face. Now, this is as a little kid. I'm getting kind of emotional. I'm sorry. I don't know why this is mm-hmm. me. Oh shit! I don't know why this doing this. There, look, there is some trauma about my grandmother. Yeah, yeah. That 
that is just there. And I and I work on it through my altar work and I work on it through because um, she's an ancestor now. Um, mm-hmm. But this moment was so sweet to me because there was a not a jealousy, because, like I said, I had I got I had my mother's favoritism to supplement. Mm-hmm. But my my younger brother was my grandmother's favorite. And so mm-hmm. I won't say it was a jealousy like I was oh my god i'm mad at him no but it was like oh i wish that she treated I me mean, sweet like this yeah, i did want to ally grandmother um, right but <laughs> she was going off she just was being her normal mean self like she's one of the people that just mean for no reason and and she was just being mean and she was sitting there and um my little brother he just was like six or seven and he went up to her and put his hand on her face and said grammy you don't have to be mean. We love oh. you. And it was in her face. She just busted out crying. Wow. Like it almost was like, I don't. Like she is like a moment wow. that to her, it was like, I don't have to be mean, do I? I I'm sorry. And she put her, his, her hand on his head and it just was a moment that wow. I was sitting there being able to watch. Yeah. And um. Mm. And I, I, I was able to witness the power of my brother, like melting her heart. And yeah. I, I knew I could never do that to my grandmother, just based on my identity. Mm-hmm. I, and I never tried because it just is what it is. I, you know, I got yeah. my mom, I got my mom, I got other motherfuckers that love me. And so, but witnessing yeah. him be able to melt this stone cold, mm-hmm. hard woman who has been stone cold hard to me and my mother yeah to see her grandson be able to get into her yeah get into her and make her care and make her um Mm. just emotionally melt and be remorseful and be sorry and be tender and be sweet and be Uh, this person mm. seeing Mm. her do that to him as a person who is at the end of her vitriol It made me see her humanity. It made me see her like, oh, you really are a good person under all that bullshit. I just don't have what it, it's not, I'm equipped to have it. Based on all, it's not that I'm not equipped to have it. Based on all the shit I got going on, I don't have access to you. I don't have, it's not my fault. But right. I just don't have access to that portion of you. I just don't mm-hmm. have access. And right. I'm not owed that access. I, and it doesn't mean that you don't, you should treat me like shit. No. But it allows me to see that it, it that the good person is in you. At least it's like it's you saw, in you. Saw the, you saw the hurt on, was kind of underneath. Right. The, what you yeah. give me is the mask. For whatever reason, whether right. it's built up homophobia you, you learned before built up harm before whatever it is about you right i see that under there is a person who wants to be sweet who wants to mm. care who yeah. wants to be that and yeah. i'm just blessed to know that my brother is the one that can actually give you that i'm blessed to know that my brother somebody that i love that i care about is right. able to bless you with that tenderness that is mm. t- that that heals your heart. That's deep. 
I love him for that. And I love him for giving you that, even though I wasn't able to do it. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I, 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 when I see videos of grandmothers, it, like it feels like grandmothers are natural allies. It feels like they're naturally put in a position to be your allies because you are the children of their children. Sometimes parents, you have to raise your kids. So you got to be the disciplinarian. You got to be the person right. taking care of them. You got to be the person teaching them life lessons to, so they can be productive citizens. Grandmas and grandpas are usually in a position to spoil you, be an ally, be right. on your side because they did all their work. They raised their kids. Now right. they can come in and be an ally. So I always felt like grandparents are um are put are natural allies so for me not to have that when i see it in videos when i see it like people there's this one video it's it's um some white people some italian her her, her grandmother is like an uh, italian grandma she's probably like 80 and wow. the, the I, one of the videos her daughter was feeling sick so she left she didn't come out the room the next the next morning like she didn't come out mm -hmm. the room in the morning and so her grandmother came in and opened up the door and she was like hey baby are you okay is it something that you need you need because i see you didn't get up and i you know is something going on do you need me to fix Aww. you some soup and it was so sweet and she told her grandmother no grandma i just don't feel feel well and didn't feel like coming down i apologize um no i don't need anything and it just her grandmother and her little sweet voice she just this five two old lady with yeah. an apron on you could tell she was down there probably cooking something she right, just had came right. up and checked her and that sweetness and so even when i see little videos about that i feel almost jealous of not having that kind of ally and because i didn't have my father in my life i didn't mm -hmm. have like a mm -hmm. you know um, his grand his mother to be my grandmother either so i just didn't have that um yeah and so i had to supplement that kind of allyship with other people and i did there was other older women who were in my life treating me well so um yeah, yeah that's what, so i was in that position in, a, in in regards to seeing somebody treat somebody better than me because yeah. i was queer yeah first of all thank you for sharing that because that was that's some real shit i'm like i'm sorry i'm all like i'm like that's real shit that is a real 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 shit um one thing about monique that i um in this in her telling her story i had heard about some of the like her brother molesting her i heard about you know the kind of toxic relationship that she had with her mother her parents yeah um, even you know the situation with her and oprah as far as like oprah interviewing her parents not the not the um, movie thing okay but oprah interviewing her parents um so you hear about some of those details so hearing even more of the details and hearing her say, you know, it's tough out here for little black girls. It's tough out here in this world for little black girls. And so if you lucky yep. to have one motherfucker that treating you like the sun, that's treating you um, like a doll that's loving on you and caring about you, you know, you know, the LGBT motherfucker in me is jealous of Monique being able to hide her queerness and get this successful and not have to deal with the backlash of being gay. Mm -hmm. But the little black girl in me understands mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. that is so rare, that is mm -hmm. so not always there, that I understand hiding your queerness just to keep that care, just to keep 
that relationship survival. with your yeah. yeah, I totally understood it. You know, part of me, yeah. you know, part of me totally got it. And then part of me was thinking, God, some, especially by cis women. Mm-hmm. I, of all the people in the LGBT community, I feel like they skate through. Mm. There's a privilege that comes with. Oh yeah, there's definitely a privilege with with that identity, and I feel like they don't have to deal with some of the things openly gay women, openly gay men, openly you know, openly queer people who, you know, can't hide it or who don't perform gender that's aligned with cis heteronormativity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they skate through. Is there is an invisibility sometimes? Yes. But I think sometimes it's intentional too. I think I just don't talk about my queerness because I don't want the vitriol that comes with being gay. Um, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, that's real. I definitely know folks, uh, who as adults, later as adults, were like, yeah, so I'm, you know, queer, but I'm not like in the gay community, but I'm like trying to figure, navigate that too, where it's like, that's not how I'm centered in my like social life, but also dating. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it, it does get a little, it does get interesting because you are right that there are folks that kind of skate around trying to navigate that and don't have to deal with the vitriol, don't have to deal with the level of rejection. But also I was actually just thinking about this too, around like when I talked about with the straight folks dating straight people, the reason I didn't date straight women is because I saw what happened to a lot of people I knew who dated straight women and ended up in situations where they man got mad, found out and was mad, now they in trouble or they just using them for good sex or they're just using them for a moment. Oftentimes it'd be a lot of age differences too, gaps and shit. And, but I was informed by that and said, I ain't <laughs> protecting myself. What the fuck I got to do? Okay, these are my options. If I stay here, I need to go somewhere where I got a different set of options. Right. Because I had the privilege to go somewhere else and even being there, I said, well, shit, this can't where it be where the fuck I land. Cause I gotta go, I gotta like, be somewhere where I ain't got to deal with this, uh, re, uh, the limitations of the situation, but not everybody can do that. But I, it, but it, it's the, but I thought there were some parallels around how she described her situation just in terms of, I'm observing this. This is what I'm observing. And I got to figure this out I'm based on what I know. And what I know is my grandmother, <laughs> and this is talking about her, what her, her uncle, yeah. A gay uncle too, right? Mm-hmm. So this is what she's saying, right? And she said she was raised on real nigga boulevard. She wasn't right. So what? <laughs> so that's a yeah, class dynamics, which mean you got some limitations. I was raised around car playing people too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every, week. every fucking week. Okay. Who had so to like, fight every week? Who had to fight all the time? Yeah, Who had to fight? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, and so I, I I feel you, and and also it's like, you know, I think about you know, little black girl and me. I made some choices based on what I'm observing, and also trying to protect myself and be out here and surviving. You know, because um, you gotta survive. And it, <laughs> we call it a cop out, but it sounds like she was she was motivated by survival. Yeah, you know. Um, also, I don't. I can't say that I had a family where 
the queer people were just around mm-hmm. because how negative my family were once a queer person came out they moved like i remember my uncle Fe- not, mm-hmm. not my uncle felix my cousin cousin felix mm-hmm. he was so negatively talked about that you only saw felix at funerals yeah yeah he, and i like i heard about felix before i even met felix yeah like, i mean that's how I, that's how i was on my mother's side it was like my mom so i got a cut yeah i got a very similar situation where it was like we don't really see dude it was like well yeah when he was younger all his other cousins used to whoop his ass and like all this other shit. i was like what you know because i never met i just knew i had this gay cousin that some people saw and never met him until i was an adult never met him. i don't even recall him as Dang. a child you know um and they only would, met him a they, couple times before he passed away they would keep me away from my cousin felix like they would intentionally oh, yeah. not want me to meet look, him because i was look, so queer let me tell you my mother told me oh your cousin i don't i don't want you as a grown-ass adult to be around cousin x y motherfucking z because i don't want their mama saying you made them gay i said what in the fuck? <laughs> because again i wasn't raised by my mother's side of the family i was raised on real nigga boulevard so i was you know by people that's like we just kind of keep it 100 and if ain't nobody like she said ain't nobody fucking with you, you don't fuck with them way less you know keeping up with the joneses energy and what people think right just kind of like take care of your shit be kind handle your shit because we surviving we're just trying to be out here so but yeah to your point my mother tried to pull that bullshit with me and i'm like okay you know and it impacted me because i was in my tw- early 20s i think and i wasn't coming home frequently because i was like you be on fuck shit about what the fuck i'm wearing like how she described that interaction with the grandmother and about being upset about her breathing that's the kind of tension and pressure i was dealing with regularly regularly anytime i was in her proximity so how you sit how you talk how you do this like every fucking little thing all the fucking time so i'm not trying to be around her but i also was disappointed i couldn't show up for my cousin the way i wanted to because i'm dealing with this abusive dynamics between me and my mother right because these are abusive toxic weird fucked up dynamics going on that i'm trying to avoid by even being in her proximity but i would come home for like holidays and shit so me and my cousin we still would vibe but yeah i mean that shit is that's like yeah like it's this cousin that i never met and then they try to pull that stunt with me did you have that happen to you did anyone try to tell you not to you know talk to any family members or younger people so i i heard about my uncle felix and they were saying so negative stuff about him they were talking about how he dressed and also during this time remember i transitioned when i was 13. so during this time is my teen years and i I have to admit this um when i in my early transition because people were associating me with gay men Mm -hmm. there was a part of me that was annoyed by flamboyant gay men mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no I, that's so, understandable why that would be so because yeah. i was being compared because if you was being weaponized kind of yes, like what we it talked was about weaponized before. against me yes yeah yep. and so there was some weird internalized homophobia that was kind of popping up sometimes um mm-hmm. and i remember the way they described my uncle felix my cousin felix they weren't um 
they described him having on Daisy Duke shorts, um, fish <laughs> with uh, over top of fishnet, like very saucy Santana energy. Yeah, um, he'll be having sheer shirts with his nipple piercings out, some go-go boots. They're <laughs> describing this very flamboyant gay man. And at that time of my life, I was like, oh, that's not me. Uh-uh. Right. So right. there was some I'm weirdness. Regular. Right. I'm yeah. right. I'm regular. I'm a yeah. woman. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, and this yeah, is yeah. me and my team. So right. I understand. Exactly. I wouldn't definitely not say that now at all. Um, right. But so when my aunt Thelma died, which is his mother, mm. we had to go to Chicago and um to her funeral because she would she they that that branch of the family went to chicago lived in chicago and so i was supposed to stay with my uncle carl my uncle carl is one of the patriarchs of the family um everybody thought that when i came up there and i had to stay with him everybody thought that he was going to be negative to me because Mm. of you know he's this alpha black older man that Mm -hmm. You know, he just has, he's one of the patriarchs of the family, the alpha patriarchs. Mm -hmm. And so they thought that when I came into the house, there was going to be this negative thing happening. So they were giving me all these warning talks and (laughs) all this kind of stuff. I'm always trying to pull shit like that. And I'm like, these people do not give a fuck. This is you. So (laughs) when I go in the house, I sit down on the, um, I sit down on the couch. I'm being, you know, my mother trained me in, in right. regards to how to <laughs> act in people's house. Mm, um, mm. So um, my uncle, my uncle Carl didn't say anything to me. Like he didn't um, say anything negative. He was very respectful and nice. Yeah, and used, he treated you like you were a guest. Eve yeah, treated me fine. like I was a guest and used diamond. Like he he asked me. He he knew he knew my birth name, of course, but he asked me what you want me to call you. And mm-hmm. I told Real him what I wanted Boulevard. to call him. Real nigga right. Boulevard. He was like, okay, I'm gonna call you that. Right. And he sat down yeah. and it was no, he didn't use she too much, <laughs> but <laughs> he did call me Diamond, and that was what it yeah. was. That was something, you know, it was back in the day. Okay. So yeah. when we go to the funeral and I finally meet my cousin felix for the very first time felix looks like a man like now (laughs) (laughs) i know what you mean (laughs) yes yes he was a man but i was expecting this way more flamboyant way more flamboyant like billy porter at the oscars yes i was expecting (laughs) the the most but when I meet my cousin Felix, now he was bright as hell. He had this bright as lime green suit on. <laughs> but my uncle, wait, we wait. Cu- my uncles is country as hell, so they had bright ass color suits on oh. too. You know the okay. old okay. ass motherfucking yeah. um, Steve Harvey suit. K and G, K and G. Yeah, <laughs> like Steve Harvey used to be back in the day yeah. when he was yeah. doing stand up. Big ass, big ass. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And they'll yeah. be they'll have bright colors, not not lime green, but it'll be a bright red, <laughs> yeah. it'll be a purple, it'll it'll yeah. be you yeah. know popping blue, some shit. Yeah. yeah. When I see my cousin <laughs> Felix, he has on this three-piece with the vest, the jacket, the suit, and the oh. shoes to match. He looking like an uncle. 
He looking like a dude. It just now it's a bright you're color, like, but he dressed like, like a regular. Like, you like what y'all talking about then? <laughs> and he came up to me and said, "Oh, yeah. hey, Miss Diamond, I heard so much about you." Now he was a queen, but <laughs> uh-huh. but I was, you know, of course I was looking me. <laughs> so I'm coming to the funeral looking like you know fabulous black, you know auntie. <laughs> Except right. I was a teen, and so he was like, "Oh, you look good." He was like, "Oh, you was pretty." Like he's giving me all of my rides. And he and yeah. we sitting down and talk, and he was like, "They ain't giving you a hard time." I had to move up out of there because they wouldn't let mm. me be myself. So I know you shaking it up, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah," and I was like, "They told me so much different than you. You are kind of regular." <laughs> and so, and he was like, "Yeah, they pushed me out. Like they get he gave mm. me all this tea about how they used to his father used to fight him and." And just so much extra stuff that that they pushed him out. And so I, and, you know, then Mm -hmm. I heard from people. Anyway, the funeral was over and we go back to home. We all drive back to Indianapolis. And everybody was gagged and was talking about how well my Uncle Carl treated me. Because my Uncle Carl said, why would y'all think that I would treat this person bad when this motherfucker was the most respectful child in the house? Them other yeah. fucking badass kids was running around breaking shit, going in my fucking refrigerator, not, res- not respecting me at all. This the only motherfucker came in the house and sat their ass down, was respecting <laughs> me, acting like they was trying to have some sense. Moochie, right. Moochie, my, my mother's nickname, Moochie taught that child how to respect somebody's house. <laughs> why would y'all think I would be this? Why would y'all think I would be negative about? About you were an asshole, you think I'm gonna be an asshole, right? right. And so I said that. So they, they he gagged them for that. Then he gagged because he went back to Indianapolis with us. Then okay. he gagged. Then I gagged them with talking, telling them what Felix had told me, how mm. they pushed him out. Yeah, and they were trying to make it seem like no, he just left on his own. No, he didn't. Right, exactly. <laughs> y'all, I can exactly. tell because I know how y'all treat me. The only difference right. between me and Felix is that my mother wasn't fucking with y'all. My mother right. is loyal to her children. Right. His parents wasn't loyal to his her, their kids. So mm-hmm. when when y'all was treating them bad, they was treating them bad. My mama wasn't treating yeah. me bad, and so mm-hmm. I can go home. Mm-hmm. Felix couldn't right. go home. You can go home. Right. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I didn't have to necessarily leave because my mother didn't treat me bad. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's how that's how they pushed my Uncle Felix out. And then, so I was the next one to come out. And then right after me, my cousin mm-hmm. Duke, who was more, he who is the more masculine, masculine of us all. He is, okay. you know, he claimed to be bisexual, even though I ain't never seen him with no <laughs> woman. <laughs> you know but it is what it is um but he claims to be bisexual but he is uh, just the more masculine he don't do any kind of feminine dressing he's dressed mm-hmm. and act like a boy um but he mm-hmm. just like boys and he you know when he came out they were threatening to throw gasoline on him they oh, were wow. threatening Damn. to um you know get out of their house with this gay shit we don't do that on our branch of the family because on their branch is these more more of the alpha male type dudes okay. and um but i i gagged them 
<laughs> when they were treating my cousin Duke bad because he stopped coming mm. around the family because they were so negative. But right. I gagged them one time that he did come and because I spilled tea in front of them. I said, um, Duke, while they were trying to be cute and act like um, you mm. was the worst thing on their branch of the family, I want you to understand that as I April, I April caught both of the all three of them niggas. My Tony's father, which is my little brother Tony, who is a homophobe down. Tony's father and them and and Uncle Billy Anthony and Uncle Fred, they all was on the basketball team together, and they all got their dick sucked by a fag down on Nineteenth and Central. And she walked and she and she drove to the house and was looking through the window and was catching their ass getting their dick sucked. <laughs> How about that? Now they were high school boys in high school in the high school basketball team, but her, but the the they called it they were calling you know fag. Mm -hmm. But I think this was like a um, you know a very trans adjacent butch queen. Okay, okay, and okay. so and so she had caught them young and horny and got gobbled their meat. And my aunt April thought that they were cheating with a girl. <laughs> so she followed them because they all they're all teens. Yeah. So she yeah. followed them to this house, and it was this this queen called Love <laughs> sucking their meats. Now Love wasn't shit because Love was probably in her early twenties, and these was teen boys. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah. from what my yeah. aunt April said, April said, "Um, honey, I." I know what the T is. Don't let them think that they ain't, they may not be messing around now, <laughs> but they did mess around. I and baby, remember, all of I, them I, together, I, right? all of them together, and I gagged yeah, everybody yeah. by spilling that tea. And my I, April said, "It's <laughs> <laughs> well, the truth." Well, well, <laughs> and she ain't right. lying. Ain't no lies right. been told. And all Damn. the dudes is like, ah. Yeah, 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 and that, so my uh, my cousin Duke was gagging. I was like, so, I bet he was. And, and after that day, they never fucked with me or him again. They had stopped oh. fucking with me anyway, but um, <laughs> but they didn't fuck with Z no more either. I mean, they didn't fuck with Duke no more either. So that's yeah. So that's those cute. are the the only three gay people that I knew, and we all are kind of we definitely are ostracized from our. I don't want to say ostracized, but None of us fuck with our family like that. Like we don't mm -hmm. go to family reunions. We don't go to events like that. We might go to a funeral or two, but mm -hmm. no, neither right. one of us. I do yeah, want to sure. ask about um, sure. yeah. when it first started, it was getting real weird about disabled people. Yeah. In the beginning, but because she was pushing her, put, positioning herself as one of them, in the disabled or is it did she say retarded? she talked she talked was well, no she did not use the word retarded what did she, she say said she, was, she was in special ed she got special, put in ed, special yeah, ed classes yeah, <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. she was like i'm in special ed class i was in special ed class i'm the i was so she was put position herself in there and saying look you're seeing somebody who was in special ed classes and you she not for a year not for a quick second she right. said for like three years right yeah so she had to deal with that stigma she had yeah absolutely and i thought it was i didn't know where it was gonna go but it, I, I liked it i enjoyed you know she was leading too. up to jokes about one of her good friends and when she took the helmet off <laughs> and, you know i mm -hmm. i enjoyed the message of the jokes was kind of didactic. 
Like it was like mm -hmm. a lesson for you. Like, look, these people, yeah, we were considering them slow and and considering them special education, but they actually was kind yeah. of you getting to know them, you you it can you can actually they actually just normal ass people. Right. And how yeah. Yeah. and then how mm -hmm. she was talking about her racist teacher. Um, she just used these as a moment to to some life lessons that I thought was dope as well. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought it was. I think like, I mean, fuck white people awards. But if she was going to get a white person's award, I think she should get an Emmy. I think she should be at least nominated because this was just really well. Like you said, it was just like well, everything led to the flow was there with it. Like what she was talking about, um, and she hit on a lot of shit. She hit on a lot of shit. She, did. she hit on a lot of shit. Um, you talk about sucking dick. There <laughs> was a, dick. there was some <laughs> pick me moments that made me cringe. <laughs> when she said <laughs> her grandmother said the dick would explode. Was explode in her mouth. That was hilarious. Um there was a there was some pick me moments when she got to talking about her husband. When she there was like eh, was Yeah, like, he got a little okay. weird, but she but when she but she brought it back around, she took a second to get there. Cause I also was like, mm. But then, you know, she came back around and I said, okay, I see where you were going with this. It took a second to get there on mm -hmm. that part. But it's like, okay. She told the story about how she, you know, she was sitting on top of the world and not respecting people. Then she went into this kind of weird joke about the smell of a coochie or coochie at the time. I mean, <laughs> that, I mean, that was a that was a part of her point, right? She was mm -hmm. like, I didn't because she was this poor black person and poor black girl. She didn't get taught about hygiene. She didn't get right. taught how to take care of herself. That's why I talk about that women's studies class I took, that women's health class. They had made a take because you don't get taught about the shit. And if you got to assign female at birth body, that means you got some shit you need to be paying attention to because you might end up pregnant. You might <laughs> and uh, you know, we got all these things that just come up, endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, that's just so common in black AFAT bodies that be fucking us up, you know. Um, so if you don't know that or know how to interact with you know, like some shit could go down. Um, and that's what happened, right? Her dude was like, Hey, yo coochie's thing, you know. <laughs> like, oh shit. I didn't know I need to like be aware of that shit. I guess for, you know, it's like, you know, you gotta be aware. Um, but where do you learn that? Cause if you're not getting that at school, if you're not getting at home, if you're not getting that at school, where are you gonna know that? You just out here just kind of navigating um, until somebody tell you. Right. And that was a <laughs> interesting, interesting story. It was, that's the only, it was weird yeah. to me in the yeah. sense of how she set it up but then i was like oh, oh I sure. know what she's saying, yeah. you know and how yeah. it humbled her and you know all these kind of things so i you know i really enjoyed the special there's yeah. a lot of people a... that enjoyed it that i hear that enjoy it, but it's just a couple of people like oh i like it i didn't laugh i'm like you know how but yeah humor, yeah <laughs> humor is subjective like music some people just don't like certain mm. types of humor and mm. so i like yeah it. Yeah, I did the the vulnerability, like a lot of stuff she shared, a lot of the jokes and stuff she hit on, I think are a lot of things I know, at least in my personal life that I've experienced or have come up um, with people I know. Um, and so it was, it was kind of like this inside look on 
not just her, but the experience of a lot of poor black girls and poor black AFAB people talking about even talking about Uncle Tina. She was like, Uncle Tina, come here and look like a whole man. But anyway, it's yeah, it was it, it was interesting. Anyway, let us know what you think. Did you watch it? Um, let us know what you thought about it. Are you like folks who are like Diamond mentioned? Some folks are like, this ain't my cup of tea. Um, or did you did you get something out of it? Also, hit us up. Let us know. Do you have any relationships with juxtaposition stuff? Can you relate to that? Um, yeah, hit us up. Hashtag Marsha's play. <laughs> So I want to talk about youth because we are having, you know, multiple conversations about caring about the youth and there's a lot of fake care about the youth. Um, And so I ran across this interview with Dr. Samantha Hill with AIDS VU. And she was talking about HIV, and I kind of want to share some of the interview. I will link the full interview in the bottom in the show notes, but I want to talk about a couple of things. So in 2021, there were 6,133 young people ages between 13 and 24 newly diagnosed with HIV, which is 19% of all new HIV diagnosis in the United States. My God. And so I wanted to talk about some of the things she said that would, you know, improve, mm. you know, these numbers, how to get these numbers down. Yeah. So one of the things that Samantha says is we must improve HIV education among individuals yeah. that yeah. have contact with our youth like anybody who individuals that have contact with our youth we must improve the education with them so when we're talking about teachers service providers you know different people in the community that coaches whoever is having constant contact with our youth we need to make sure that they feel more confident and empowered to have informed and accurate discussions with our kids i thought that was a beautiful point absolutely Another thing that Samantha said is healthcare providers need to adapt their skills and their tools to fit the person in front of them. For instance, for instance, a question about whether you are sexually active may not resonate with a 13-year-old. You should have developmental and cultural relevant tools to communicate with the people in front of you without, without that kind of ability to adapt. We run the risk of missing out on opportunities to increase their knowledge and capacity for healthy discussions and relationship with their health and wellness. Yep. Another thing she says, she brings um, influencers to task. Um, Influencers on social media and entertainment will also play a role in engaging and informing youth about HIV and education. They should be using their platforms, whether, you know, social media, entertainment, Um, performing arts, community, all that kind of stuff to promote HIV education and awareness to populations that they may resonate with. Because sometimes just an older person is just not going to (laughs) resonate with them because they're an older person. I think this is a dope ass point. She says, as far as funding opportunities, we need to make sure that we are funding opportunities for peer led initiatives. 
even though it takes more time to complete, a lot of this work needs to come from community. Yeah. While we can take large concepts and adapt them to smaller communities, we really need community-led and peer-led initiatives if we want to make an impact. Peer-led, and by that she means young people working with other young people <laughs> in an environment yeah to either improve education around the topics or lead them into clinical settings so they can get prep and SDI testing. Yeah. I thought that that was just, just brilliant. She said so much other stuff. I want y'all to make sure y'all check out the article down at the bottom. So before I go to the next subject of the interview, what do you think about all of that? I mean, all of that makes sense. <laughs> like all of that, all of that makes sense. I definitely, um, have seen a lot, some of this model in Milwaukee with, uh, th that's where I'm from, with diverse and resilient, where it's a lot of peer, um, a lot of these things in terms of like, you know, creating a culture where we're talking about sexual health, it's normal within the black and Latino, trying to create a culture where it's like normal in the black LGBT community to talk about sexual health. But folks know you can go get tested with by people you trust and know in the community. Um, you know, there's a lot of work to destigmatize, um, talking about HIV and STIs in general there. But it and, and the work does look like a lot of these points in terms of, um, you know, in terms because they like work with the schools and stuff and, you know, try to work in community, have billboards and stuff, too, in the community. So it's not just like, you know, when she talks about culturally competent or like who is the messenger, it's not just somebody that's older being like, you need to do X, Y, and Z. It's peers talking to peers. Um, and folks know that they can still, you know, even if they got some beef in the community or wh with whoever, they know they can still go somewhere and be vulnerable and be safe and get tested and get what they need or get access to care or get access to prep. Um, you know, um, yeah, because don't nobody really leave the mill. <laughs> like, so you, you make that investment with the people that's from the community to do the work versus you know bringing some fo some folks who might not be familiar with the the norms or the cultural norms of the community um but all that sounds dope i mean the media the, the social media stuff absolutely the money it's weird to hear these things too because this is, sounds like a lot of stuff i remember from the 90s and early 2000s that just went away not all of it but it's like Everywhere the fuck I went when I first came out, there were plenty of fucking condoms. Somebody there talking about HIV and AIDS. Everywhere, any bar you went to, any event you went to, in the bathroom, you do not see that anymore. You do not, you, like something happened. There was a gap. I don't know, people got a little too comfortable, gay marriage, I don't know. I don't know. We just became just like everybody else or something. Or something, I don't know what the fuck happened. But what I do know is that there used to be way more intentional shit happening in the community and in the media. I mean, fuck, let's talk about sex by salt and pepper. You know, you had people who were like, yo, this is a crisis. We need to address it. And I don't, maybe it's because folks aren't realizing we're still, it never stopped being a crisis for some, some communities. And you got people who have HIV today in the 21st century in 2023 suffering like it's the fucking nineties today and not in care. And like that shit is wild to me. So yeah, I, yeah all of this, because um, there's no reason why the babies should have a fucking increase in new HIV infections 
when we know there's shit that's been out there that's been proven to be effective, particularly for our age group in many ways. Cause we were like, kind of like right on that edge. And we grew up, we was we scared straight, niggas. You know what I'm saying? It uh, was like, hey, <laughs> okay. I was thinking when you were talking about how some of that stuff went away, I not saying that I don't agree with you in the sense of I think it shouldn't have went away, but I one of the reasons why I think it went away is because it started to look like stigma the way they were pounding it on our heads, and it just was always around. And it made sense in the beginning, like in the mid mid nineties, late nineties. But now nowadays, not saying that, like you said, it's still some people are still in crisis, especially if they don't have access to healthcare and testing, and they're not being targeted. Um, but I think one of the reasons why we don't see it like we do in like the gay clubs and da 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 da, da is because of it was so pounded in our head, and it started to feel like stigma it started to feel like to me like it was adding to the stigma mm. i i mean i feel that i guess yeah i mean because you would go everywhere would be like bath in the bath be like ads and all this kind of yeah so i feel that but condoms like we don't see condoms at the club no more in the way that you used to i'm just saying like there are certain interventions that sound like a lot of the stuff that they're mentioning that just kind of went away too. That mm -hmm. were just like, we just here because this is a gathering for black queer people or black trans people, whatever. And let's have a good time and let's eat and talk about a couple things and here's some condoms and here's some education. Like that shit was kind of kind of wasn't happening. And I think you do see it happening more now, but it kind of that kind of went away where it was just kind of like integrated into everything that was just happening in the community. Oh, we're just throwing out candy. It's pride. Get some condoms, get some candy, <laughs> get some education. You know, that's what I'm saying. Where, where, And also because of PrEP, you see all these increases in folks getting syphilis, syphilis. gonorrhea, right? right? And so you might need a fucking condom, right? It's like, you know what I mean? So like the education, you know, it's weird. And we're in a place where certain states, they're going to start playing with that money and say, we're not fucking funding no PrEP. You don't get prep. Who knows? You might not. We, we gonna fuck with your access to HIV. Like we got to. Like we got to get ahead of that. Yeah. We got to get ahead of it. And I think one of the things that I hear people talking about is, um, I'm on prep, so I can't get the big one. That's what it feels like. They talk how they talk. Um, I remember my um, my gay son would talk like that too, where um, he would be like, you know being on prep you can't get the big one but you can get you get what i'm saying you can get syphilis and all this kind of stuff but you can get rid of that you can go to a shot and get rid of that so uh, uh, vd right oh so, uh, yeah so back in the day they were like oh i got vd yeah motherfucker don't care <laughs> i can i can go get that fixed so that's now i can still have fun and they're kind of being intentionally irresponsible in that in that regard because they can there is some pills that can get you know handle that stuff and so which i still think is irresponsible because if you're if we're being if we're focused on you know shit some shit is getting resistant to these pills these antibiotics are starting not to yeah. work on some strains yeah. <laughs> right and you i mean i mean because there are you know there are right there's certain stis that you got to navigate that don't that like syphilis um herpes complex hepatitis you know all of those things are things that you do have to manage that won't go away right and so like um 
it is i don't know it's just weird it is important to like have conversations around stis like you say you, there's a balance between you don't want to stigmatize some shit, but also like motherfucker, you need to be educated <laughs> like we have to like but a part of the a part of the part of the reason this happened like they say these kids are informed we i know when i went to school in middle school high school health class they were like okay here's pictures of every motherfucking <laughs> thing that you can get <laughs> here's some condoms Condoms, 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 condoms. How to put on the condom? How not to break the condom? Condom. That's just was that was just in school, right? Because they were like teen pregnancy is through the roof, and all this other shit was happening, right? So that was just in school. Let alone, like I said, going into the community spaces where you go by the gay cafe that serves food. You go to the bathroom. You know I can get condoms. <laughs> going to the gay bar. I'm just taking a piss. You know what I can get? Condoms. Like it just like like condom use hasn't been normalized in the way that it was. I think for us, mm. too, because of prep, which makes sense because that's the whole point. If you are uh, Gilead, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pharmaceuticals, you know what I mean? But it's like there's all this other shit that's happening. I'm not. I'm not even gonna digress on that. But like. <laughs> Cause it's just like, hey everybody, take the this version of prep we're about to get rid of. We want to offshore it to you. Please hurry up, please, please take all this prep we're about, so, about to use. So let's talk about prep because prep is the next part of her interview. Prep is underutilized by young women, especially young black women in the South. There but they are- just hold on, they just came out with a version of prep that assigned female at birth people can use because the first version of prep. We could not use exactly. because they didn't test no assigned female at birth people. And myself and I'm sure other black trans dudes that's listening, right? And other AFAB folks that's listening. No, we're in these spaces being like, so how does this? And they were like, girl, we don't know. You can't use it. I don't know. It's not effective for you. <laughs> and right. so, so we the only reason we now have a version of prep is because people were pushing back and saying, what the fuck? So y'all don't know how this works on a sign female at birth body? No, girl, y'all was not priority. <laughs> this shit. And if if you've been, if you're a listener and you've been with um, Marsha's Play for a very long time, one of our first, in our, in our first year or our first two years, somebody contacted us to be able to be, um, to do research on, um, on prep and mm. One thing that we pushed back on because, you know, Z was with us, um, we pushed back on that. It wasn't for a sign, um, you know, female at birth people. And y'all, mm-hmm. when y'all talking about gay men, y'all not including trans men. Y'all right, not you're just talking men. about cis. You're just talking about yeah. cis men. Yep. And so y'all need to expand this. And literally that research, when we pushed back on them, that research group said, you know what? You are totally right. Let's expand this. And they went back and revamped it. And we were able to participate in it at the mm-hmm. in, a, in a whole different way because they listened to us, actually. Mm-hmm. It was kind of dope. It was kind of dope that they did. That, that. is dope. Shit. And so, yeah. Hey. So prep is underutilized um, by Black women in the South. There are barriers that contribute to low prep use among young people. And, um, you know, she talks about how what are what are some things that we can do to address the barriers to increase um, prep use. And so Dr. Samantha Hill says. 
along with what Jay was just talking about, first of all, I want that to be very clear that a lot of times the medicine wasn't even geared toward a black women, um, a flying female at birth people. Mm-hmm. In, in a, so Dr. Samantha Hill says, in addition, the risk for young women, particularly young black women, is really, including their own providers, perceive them to be, they don't perceive them to be at yeah, risk. risk. Yep. Often young women are not getting the testing that they need because they do not perceive themselves as being risk, even though the studies show that they are. We use risk-based language when we speak with them, and these type of discussion results in them tuning it out. Another part of the challenge is that we do not understand adolescent relationships, specifically serial monogamy and social concurrency, which is when you move from relationship to relationship without an in-between period. Although both of these types of relationships are normal for adolescents and young adults, our youth may not always recognize how the health can be how their health can be impacted by the health of their partner. Moving forward, we need more sex positive framing and less risk based yes. discussion. Yes, by yes. the people interacting with our young women, they can enlighten youth about how regular STI testing, prep, and other things can be exactly. for them to ensure their safe sex life. Absolutely. Lastly. Dr. Hill said, there needs to be more youth representation in commercials Mm. advertising HIV prevention. Mm. Some of the commercials advertise to same gender loving populations, transgender populations, or people in their mid 20s and up. And and it's less to people in their teen years. Yeah. As, As someone who does HIV treatment for a living, I see plenty of teenagers, high school students and college students that have HIV. More inclusive mm-hmm. advertising can create opportunities for discussion about sexual health. Yeah. All, I love these responses by her. She has other responses, but I just wanted to pull them out because yeah. everything that, she, that she's talking about goes back to what we were talking about early in her responses as far as, far as meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. You cannot, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we talk about risk look you can't talk about it can't be risk-based you have to talk about them based on the situation that they are in and because people could think oh i'm not having sex with no homosexuals i'm not having sex with no down low men i'm not having sex so i'm not at risk that's that's the gay disease that's for gay people i'm not doing i'm not at risk like that but you you got to explain to them that sweetie you don't know what people got going on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's no shade. That's no tea, no shade. It's just the point. That's just the fact. That's just the fact. That's not even like a, you just don't know. Yeah. And they got to be know? open. You got to be a safe person for them to talk about. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they have to see themselves in the advertising mm-hmm. that we are doing. Mm-hmm. I we recently me as a trans woman I recently started started to see trans people in these kind of HIV ad campaigns. Yeah. I, I think I don't know if I've seen some trans guys. I think it's exclusively been trans women though. I've seen some trans guys too. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I've okay. seen some trans guys too, not, but just that. trans people. Period. I had not seen yeah. them. It usually is, yeah. amen, people, <laughs> yeah. or or just yeah. your typical frolicking yeah. in the tulips white person, <laughs> 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 white couple, and you know those kind of things. And usually Come individuals. I you see people. that, but I, I'm yeah. literally seeing trans people that I know in these ads and i'm like oh yeah. there's finally some trans yeah. people what's surprising is in the new prep ads for the new prep that actually is accessible that works on the sign female at birth bodies regardless if that person is trans or a cis woman right there i don't see any trans dudes in those commercials that's weird to me right because this is actually a, a <laughs> medication that you could actually use <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's like what and so that's what the doctor was talking about. Like yeah. you need to have representation mm -hmm. with people. Yeah, now she's talking yeah. about it for um, young black girls, but that's yeah. anybody. You need to make sure people know that this is for them. And I think y'all are missing the mark if y'all not having a diverse representation when it comes mm. to these medications. Yeah, yeah, gotta help shift the culture. Yes, and so getting tested. So it's normal to talk about, yeah. And testing is number one in prevention, number one in having these conversations, getting them in the space to get tested. You can mm -hmm. open up the conversation in that space where, hey, these are the risks. Like you, you came out and, you, you know, you these are the risks that you can, that you're taking. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you can open up the door to get them in that space where they're being tested. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And even if the if your results, this person uh, a person's results came back as HIV positive, it's like that's also an opportunity to educate others. Yes. And also on in addition to educating yourself and getting into care as soon as possible, because that's the good thing about the 21st century that people can get into care. Yeah. Um with, with medications that work, um, and also can become undetectable. Right. Yes. And so, you know, you equals which reduces risk in, in transmission. Yeah, absolutely. Which yeah. reduces risk. You can't pass it to anybody. You mm -hmm. are your viral load is so damn low. It's undetectable. Exactly. And you're not going through some of the negative things that happens when your viral load is high. And right. so you're not and not and not that. in care and right. not in care. Right. That's the key. Getting into some care. Right. You know, absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of resources for folks. Um, once you're in care, you yes. know, in terms of like support around housing, like if you're dealing with financial stuff, like to make sure that you can still access your medications and things um, and have a quality of life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Wow. So we mm -hmm. just wanted to share this interview with y'all. She talked about so much stuff. Thank you, Dr. Mm -hmm. Samantha Hill. Mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. your expertise and in going into pediatrics and you know mm -hmm. she has a whole history so make sure you check her out black mm -hmm. doctor black woman female doctor love it she is amazing so check the interview out down in the description box and let us know what you think hashtag marsha's plate give me give me give me euphoria more than peace of mind it's the joy and space to change the tide Give me, give me, give me euphoria More than peace of mind It's the joy and space to change the tide Give me, give me, give me, give me euphoria 
and the high can never come down from. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, Jay, what has been bringing you euphoria this week? Oh, okay. Well, what has been bringing me euphoria this week is that I was able to go check out the uh, Sunday Night Sugar Shack, which is a uh, black-led, but like people of color centered uh, burlesque show that happens here in Seattle. Um, oh. And it's cute. It's very, it's very, very, it's very, very black. It's definitely like POC, but it's definitely like black centered, uh, which is nice, right? Um, and it's cute. It's very queer. It's very black. It's very femme. It's very burlesque. Um, it was nice to get out and uh, support the show, support community. A friend of mine was like, hey, I got an extra ticket. You want to go? And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I want to go. Because I had been before, but it had been some time. So I was so, and that's how I spent my Easter, was at the Sugar Shack, going to the burlesque show. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was a great show. Uh, shout out to Sugar Shack, you know, and Brick House and all her work. But yeah, that's what it, that that's bringing me euphoria. It's always good to be um, in community, and actually, it was kind of like a weekend because I had to do some stuff for church uh, Thursday or something like that. And at the at the play, or no, that was Friday. I was in church all Friday for Good Friday, which was my first time being in church at Good Friday, and I didn't realize it was like long. But <laughs> but it was I was in space in community with other black queer and trans folks uh while in my church in my church space too. So it was just nice. I do love um how Seattle just had it's something about the queer community in Seattle that I do actually like. It does feel um real supportive of each other. Like I even know Brickhouse. I was um I think I met her hey. um at the is it the Rose? Oh, Wild Rose. Mm -hmm. Wild Rose, yes. I've been at the Wild, Wild Rose. Oldest Not, lesbian bar. The oldest lesbian Seattle. bar. Out here in Seattle. And one of the few that still remain from like the old school era. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I met her there. Her and a trans man by the name of Chris. He doesn't live in Seattle anymore. I think he lives on the East mm -hmm. Coast. But um, Chris oh, was oh, in. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Chris was in the, um, into BDSM. And just met all of these people. Like they just were so dope. And so I do love mm -hmm. that about the Seattle queer community. It is kind of dope. Oh, the kink, the kink community. The kink uh, community. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of black, like subcultural people. Shit here. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what brought me euphoria. Was getting my little black queer life on this weekend. Um, what about yourself? What brought you euphoria this week? So I have been recording a lot this weekend, this week and weekend. Mm. So I found this dope ass song. It's short because it was an interlude to you know on one of her albums, but it's an mm. artist by the name of Victoria Monet. And it's called um Might Even Be Falling in Love. And I had never, I had heard a couple of songs because she's a writer, so she done wrote a lot of songs for people, but she has her own albums too. And I had I hadn't listened to her whole album, and so I was on TikTok scrolling, and I saw this um, white boy singing this song, and I was like, "Oh, that song is kind of funky. Who is this? Whose song is this?" And so I looked it up, and I was like, 
Oh, this is a dope ass song. <laughs> and so I'm listening to it, and her voice sounds amazing, but I like, you know, I'm a a vocal arranger. I like uh, harmonies. I like, uh, you know, that's my vibe. So I was like, mm, yeah. let me try to re-record this song in oh, my okay. way and yeah. do it in that. So I've been rec- I recorded that the other day and I posted it on um my SoundCloud and it is so fucking dope. I can't post it on my YouTube because I guess okay. I got a real version of the instrumental. And so oh. usually if I get like another instrumental that's not the official real version, yeah. YouTube doesn't detect it as somebody else's music. You can just post it up. But this yeah. particular track, I guess, is the real track. And so I was able to uh, record over the real track. And baby, YouTube said you we, can't, we yeah. can't even play this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah. Victoria Monique say no ma'am <laughs> <laughs> to her music. And so, but I was able okay. to post it on SoundCloud. And I will okay. I will actually play it at the end of it's real short, it's like a minute. And so I will play oh, it okay. at the end because it's an interlude, but I'll play it at the end of the show. But recording that has been giving me joy this weekend because I yeah. love the song. It's cute. It was it just was a vibe. I really liked it. It was a happy, fun song because it was about falling in love. Mm. And oh. yeah, so that was what had been bringing me euphoria this week. My season. Yeah, <laughs> that's dope. Artists in the workshop. I Amen. That's, that's what's you know, up. music is my hobby. <laughs> so and you know i just was listening i was going through my songs i have like a uh i think it's 29 or 30 it's a couple of songs that i just that i have a playlist on and i'll put it in the um i'll put it in the show notes just a bunch of music that i have Mm. um recorded and yeah yeah i just got a whole like 30 track playlist of all my songs so make sure y'all go check it out because music is my hobby and i love doing it so all right y'all that has been a show make sure y'all let us know what y'all have been feeling euphoric about and we will see y'all next week all right y'all bye i don't know but i think dare i say it we might even be falling in love go ahead Cause I might let you move in it Cause I ain't had nobody in it like you And I see it I'm gonna know you for the rest of my life